0: Welcome back to the Science of Work, where I, Dr. Lisa Belanger, take a deep dive into the habits, skills, work design, and leadership behind global trends in the workforce. Resilience has been a word that's been thrown around a lot over the last couple years in business, or as it relates to the individual. With good reason, we have been living in and surviving through an epic pandemic while trying to live and work in constant changing environments. So what exactly is resilience? How do we create it? Are some people born with more resilience than others? And what is your role as a leader, teammate, family member to support each other's development of resilience? In this episode, we speak to Dr. Robin Hanley-Defoe, who is a multi-award winning psychology and education instructor who specializes in resiliency, navigating stress and change, leadership, and personal wellness in the workplace. Described as transformational, engaging, and thought-provoking, Robin presents practical strategies grounded in global research and case studies that help foster resiliency within others and ourselves. Most notably, and I'm sure her biggest, most proudest accomplishment, is I think she might be my career crush. The Science of Work podcast is brought to you by the Quantic School of Business and Technology. Quantic's highly selective MBA and executive MBAs are designed with interactive micro-lessons and individualized feedback every eight seconds. Experience the future of education. Go to quantic.edu slash science of work for more. So what is Resilience. Oxford Dictionary describes it as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's really the ability to dust ourselves off after we fall. It's not about enduring or white knuckling. It's really about can we be okay with and through setbacks? Resilience is fundamentally a learned skill, it's something we develop. Nobody's born with a different brain that allows them to be more resilient. It's a learned trait. It matters for our everyday emotional and social well-being. It helps us navigate the hard parts of life, the hard events, the trauma, the chronic adversity that can lead to conditions like post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and other psychiatric disorders. So how can we become more resilient? We're going to talk to Dr. Hanley Defoe more about this. However, the concepts that she's come up with and introduces is this sense of belonging, our perspective taking, our acceptance, our hope, and our humor. And on the webpage for today's episode, we're going to provide some more descriptive material that works through how to get resilience for yourself, for others, and for children. We talk about individual resilience, but also there's team resilience or group resilience. And this can really affect at work when you're dealing with adversity, which many, many workplaces have been over the last couple of years. So let's get into it. Let's talk to Dr. Hanley Defoe about exactly how we can build resilience. So we're talking about resilience. Why do we need it? Why we need it is because the
1: world is really wobbly and there's so much uncertainty and we're getting walloped every single day and we have to still show up and perform and to meet the needs of others and to deliver. So
0: we have to be able to figure out
1: how to bounce back.
0: And so how would you define resilience? Maybe that should have been my first question.
1: that's a good question as well there's this understanding of resiliency as this capacity to bounce back this capacity to move through a challenging event experience or season so i think that's kind of like almost like the textbook definition how i like to think about resiliency and what i've actually kind of positioned as this idea of everyday resiliency it's this idea of like showing up through all of the hard parts and what we do in between all of those hard parts It's actually what sets us up for success when difficult things do come our way. We actually have to learn resiliency actually in quieter seasons of our lives than thinking about it strictly as a response to something bad that's happened.
0: And so how do we do that? I like that quieter times in our life. I still haven't had many of them, but (laughs) it sounds lovely. What should we be doing in these quieter times to build that capacity, to build that resilience?
1: Yeah. So I think what's extremely important is when we take a good look, and this is why I appreciate your work so much, Dr. Lisa, because it's looking at the habits. It's looking at the systems, the habits, the networks that we build for ourselves that are going to be able to become these foundations where we can get that psychological safety. We know how to regroup. We know how to recalibrate. We also practice the self-awareness. And often when we have competing roles in our lives, we actually, especially if we're good at our jobs and good at our experiences, we Go on autopilot where we're just kind of going through the motions and then all of a sudden life will happen which inevitably will to all of us and then all of a sudden we're left feeling like oh my gosh what was that and we're standing in this blast radius that we've created so how we can do this is think about those systems that keep us level grounded in check so then that way we're more aware of when we need to tap into some of those extra skill sets for resiliency
0: so, when you say systems, can you yeah. define that more?
1: Sure. So, as a behaviorist, when I'm thinking about a system, I'm thinking about like with intention behaviors or like patterns or routines, even rituals that we create that actually set us up for success. So for example, you might call it like a morning routine, but it could also be considered like a morning system. So ensuring that you do something, for example, in my work, I often talk to people about, you know, in the morning, I want you to do just one thing for your head, right? I want you to think, I want you to be inspired, plan, set the intention, tap into those cognitions. Do one thing for your body, right? Get out, move, stretch. Can you connect with nature? Just something to get you moving about. And then something for your heart. Do something that sets you in that mindset or that headspace that is going to put you in that place of gratitude, of being of service, that humble heart. It's going to serve you really well. So, a morning system of doing something for your head, your heart, and for your body is a system. And so, what is yours?
0: What's your morning routine?
1: I love this question, Lisa, because I feel like it holds me like publicly accountable. Yeah. So anytime like, like what I don't did you feel do like
0: it. This morning. But...
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So I can tell you this morning and I, I very much embrace that kind of like 80, 20% of the time yes. rule. So like, as long as I can do it, like five mornings out of the week, I still consider that winning. I really appreciate getting up a bit earlier than the rest of my household. And I understand that's a privilege to do because of the ages of my children, but I really appreciate that sacred time in the morning where I can just be with my own thoughts. I walk the dogs first thing in the morning. I wanna have that dose of vitamin N, get a little bit of fresh air, listen to a podcast, do that to just kind of warm myself up to the day. I then am a regular routine where I'll come back, have that great cup of coffee and get a run in or a stretch or something to kind of do that physical heart work and set the intention for my day. So my morning ritual usually takes anywhere from about 45 minutes to an hour and a half, but that's sacred time. And the more it becomes like emotionally and personally reinforcing that I feel the benefits that you know my day's better when I started that way, Dr. Lisa, it's easier to sustain it. What's
0: wonderful about those routines is one, you've been able to do them throughout the pandemic, there's things that are still open, available, accessible. And two, if you're traveling, if the world's falling apart, there's still things that you can hold sacred, if you will, as you go forward. So that's incredible. Also, I have an identical morning routine. I do think we are living parallel lives. How many dogs? Two? We have two. Yeah, we have a chocolate lab
1: named Luna, and we have a black lab named Apollo. And they keep me also accountable because as soon as I wake up, they are there ready to remind
0: me that this is what we do every single morning. And they will poop on the floor if you do not. So the motivation (laughs) is huge. I just can't believe it. I have a black lab husky named Colby Mm -hmm. and a great peer named Nova. So it goes very well with your... Nova, I love that. That's a great one. Named after my home province of Nova. So this idea, this concept of resilience, planning it for and planning things and systems during those quieter periods to try to uh, take you through, build this strength, build capacity, then life happens. Then what? Yeah. Such a great question. And you're absolutely
1: right. Like there is this idea where, okay, we're making the good choices. We're showing up, we're doing the best that we can. And then all of a sudden we get walloped and it could be emotionally, it could be physically, it could be a diagnosis. It could be a loss of a job, a change of relationship status. Like, at any given point, we are so susceptible of having upsets and disappointments. It's part of our growth experience. And what we call in my work, we call it the adverse event. you have this marked adverse event. We actually see that there's a wee bit of a trajectory that people follow Even if it's different types of adverse events. Again, so if it's a diagnosis, loss of job, change of relationship, whatever, we see that people tend to go through this natural pattern. Now, the first part of it, and it's a part that I think, especially for high performers like the folks that are listening to your show, might not give themselves enough space for is the decline phase. So when we get walloped, we get hit. And by definition of resiliency, is you got to get knocked down. Now, often what happens though, Lisa, is we want to intellectualize our way through it very very fast. We don't want to sit down and reflect and kind of lick our wounds, learn from it. Like we don't want to do it. We just want to intellectualize to the next fix or how do we resolve this? But we know that that decline phase is extremely important to allow our feelings to catch up, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have to have that alignment of our head and our heart. So we need that decline phase to say, this sucks. This hurts, I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling as though, you know, my best laid plan just went to hell in a handbasket. Like you actually need to be able to feel what's going on. And the beautiful thing, as you know, about the human condition, we don't get walloped with it all at once. It just kind of grief and that shock helps a little bit for some of those experiences. So that way we have those emotions unfold or come available to us in a way that we can actually manage Then we go into this really interesting phase that we call the adapt phase, whether we like it or not, we start figuring things out. This is the idea. We do things differently. We take on new responsibilities or skill up, level up. Maybe we ask for help, regardless of what's going on, we actually start to piece together a new way forward and then that brings us into what we call the reclaim phase and that's when we start to take all of these lived experiences these events these learning opportunities and then we start to figure out okay what do we make of this what are we going to take with us? What's not serving us? We're going to leave it behind. As I often say to our three teenagers, this is when you have that moment where like, okay, maybe I made a mistake, but we won't waste it. We're going to learn from it and figure out what's the next right move, which brings us to the last phase, Lisa, which is the rise phase. When all of a sudden we're far enough away from that adverse event where we realize, like, yeah, it hurt and it was hard, but like, I am going to be okay. And what really I think is so important is that okay is absolutely everything. Okay is enough. And often we want to be faster, smarter, better, always in that forward motion. But if you can get to that place, Lisa, where you know that come what may, you will be okay, that you have that steadfast confidence and efficacy, you're going to serve you well, you're going to make it.
0: The Science of Work is brought to you by Quantic transforming the traditional MBA and EMBA with interactive platform that is built for modern students and future leaders. With a focus on innovation and strategy and a mobile first network driven approach, Quantic allows you to learn on your schedule and alongside leaders from the world's top companies. Visit quantic.edu slash science of work to learn more about the modern MBA. Speaking of resilience, at Conscious Works, we create meaningful, measurable strategies for proactive mental health and performance for your team. Make wellness have an impact every single day. Contact connect at consciousworks.com. What I like about this, of course, a researcher, I like that there's phases. Immediately I went back to my adverse events that have come up yeah. and I go through it. But of course, they never happen in ones. It's never like one uh, standalone adverse event and everything else is fine. Yeah. And I tell the story, my condo burned down. I had no clothes. I got one dress and a bird pooped on it. Like that was my next day. So it often is like this. So how do we approach the mess? You're absolutely right.
1: It never happens as beautifully as it does in a textbook or in a lab, right? We know it's way more complex than that. Now, this kind of brings us back full circle in terms of the importance of our systems. The entire world has fallen apart. So the example you gave, you lost your safety place, right? You lost that home base. You don't have the resources that you need in that moment. And all of a sudden, you know, that happens to the one dress that you're wearing. This is when we need to say, okay, what does Lisa need to do to go back to that place of being okay? What are your basic foundations? The next day it's like, you know, I know my day starts better if I can get a walk in. And I know when you're in a difficult season, the last thing we usually think about is like, oh, I need to get in to get a walk or I need to listen to my podcast or drink that cup of coffee, enjoy that sunrise or whatever it is you're doing but what's the reality is that is going to remind us and basically refamiliarize us to a sense of being all right that you know what i can still go for a walk i am still able to enjoy this cup of coffee it's like going back to those fundamental basics it's where we start especially when it gets super complex and messy
0: And I love that because that's exactly what we needed generally, collectively, the world during the pandemic is these attachments to these small little things that make us us. Certainly from a habitual perspective, I say all the time, we're the sum of these small little habits. So being able to pull on those habits when you need them. And I think that the last couple of years now have been a cluster of opportunities to practice resilience. So You know, there's ways to develop this ourselves. If we think about being a business leader, a team leader, how can we support our team to help them develop resilience?
1: Lisa, you're asking a fantastic question. I would say this is something that comes up often when I'm working with leaders. And I think the starting point, first and foremost, is that we do want to create a space where we can hold psychological safety. If our teammates and our reportees or our staff or our employees, if they're coming into the workforce, whatever that looks like, and they are concerned that if they make a mistake, there are no do-overs. And I appreciate there are some high stakes ecosystems where you actually can't make a mistake. Health and wellness is on the line for certain professions. However, the vast majority of professions, there is this spaciousness where we can have learning, where we're able to kind of take back feedback, improve, grow, adapt. And we need to cultivate those spaces where it's not all just one shot or you're done. And a lot of persons, especially when we are in positions where there's restructuring or there's organizational change, It's hard to feel safe and do your best work as an employee if you don't feel safe and protected in those spaces. So within the scope or what's in the realm of our control as leaders, we want to cultivate and foster that psychological safety, that they can get feedback. We're going to be able to learn through this, walk through this together.
0: I love that idea. And I I don't know why it's come up so often lately, the space between. The space between is what we need to harness, not skip over, not sidestep, but really harness that space between so that we can create the learnings, we can create capacity. And I know you will support this idea and the concept of modeling resilience for ourselves. So creating those routines, creating the strength and the calmer seasons, but also how we adapt and go through and manage the hard times. So any advice to leaders about those adverse events and how to both manage internally for themselves, but also how to reflect that back onto their team.
1: So what we talk about in my work is this idea that especially for our leaders, we're having what's called like this parallel experience in many cases where they themselves are navigating the changes, the stressors and the pressures while also leading others who are navigating their own set of changes, stressors and difficult seasons. So when we think of it as that parallel, we know first and foremost for that leader, we want to make sure that their self-care is in check, that they have some wise practices for their own wellness. So that way they have that spaciousness in their, in their ability to make decisions, to show up for their teammates and their staff. And what we also know is when we think about the persons, we want to make sure that we are acknowledging and validating the tricky parts. And often what happens is we kind of get to this place where we're just kind of like, okay, what's next? And we don't take enough kind of pause to recognize how far we've come so again for leaders to just make a point to acknowledge to name it to say this has been hard this uncertainty is grueling like to actually name it and to validate it it's like you are doing the good work and there might be a point where the good work it's still not going to land us where we want to be just yet But again, that validating is so key for to have continued buy-in. And we want to be thinking about that enrollment, that morale enrollment that leaders want to be cultivating for their teams. That's brilliant. Is there
0: anything else you want to say about resilience, resilience at work, what we can be doing for ourselves and for others?
1: I think the end point is thinking of the work that we're doing as seasons. And we've talked about this before that, you know, this is not going to be the way it's always going to be. And I know sometimes we use language like, you know, this is, you know, the new normal. And I really push back on that language, Lisa, because I think this is the current familiar. You know, we had a familiar before we got wallet by COVID. We had a familiar that we created in the 18 months of trying to figure out COVID. And now we're in this precious place of co-creating what's going to be that new familiar so really acknowledging how far we've come but using this as the big opportunity of where do we get to go from here
0: if there's anything that we take away from this pandemic beyond flexible work hours and improved food delivery i hope it's the ability to be resilient as individuals and as collectives as robin hanley defoe often says we can do hard things we got this Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Science of Work podcast. I hope your eyes are open to exactly how we can build resilience. And hopefully you've kind of picked some things out that you can do for yourself and within your team. A special thank you to Dr. Robin Hanley-Defoe for our conversation on this topic. If you want to learn more, please go to our website, ConsciousWorks.com, search this episode, and we have a few different PDF and instructional manuals, essentially, that she has written on resiliency. I also want to recommend highly her book, Calm Within the Storm. It is a fantastic description of exactly how we can put this into practice. Remember consciously design your day or somebody else will.